0: Welcome back to Pettisville Missionary Church. This week we continue our series in the book of James and we look at what it means to stand firm in your faith. ...me or Pastor Brett afterwards. I would invite you to turn in your Bibles this morning to James chapter 5. James chapter 5, we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 12. And I've titled today's message the secret to standing firm. Well, we know that uh, James was writing to the believers who had been scattered throughout the Roman Empire, scattered because of, of persecution, because of their faith in Jesus. And at the very beginning, James is talking about the trials that they're going through, and again, he's coming back to this theme of, of how do we how do we live in the midst of hardship? And again, for the early church, things were difficult. Uh, they were not even able to buy and sell in the marketplace. We also know from our text from last Sunday that there were some very um, wealthy non-believing business owners, uh, also employers, who were cheating employees out of their wages. And so that was something, too, that the early church was dealing with. And, and life was just hard. It was just hard for them in so many ways. They began to wonder, is, is following Jesus worth it? I mean, where is God? I mean, why are the wicked getting wealthier and wealthier, and we as the followers of Christ, we are struggling, barely making ends meet? How long is this suffering going to go on? Well, James knows that this is what his brothers and sisters in Christ are dealing with. And he wants to help them. So he writes this letter. And he does so for the purpose of encouragement. He doesn't want them to give up, he wants them to to stay the course, to stay closely connected to Jesus, to be bold and courageous and to stand firm in the faith. And in these verses here, 7 through 12, He shares a secret with them, and the secret is patience. Now, I'm guessing that is not necessarily what the early church wanted to hear. Just like I'm guessing not many of you are overly excited to hear me this morning preach on patience. I mean, who wants to be more patient? That's not something we are usually looking to improve. We want things to happen quickly. We want things to happen with no interruptions. We want our jobs to be successful, we want our relationships to be meaningful, and we want our families to be joyful, and we want all of these things now. I can't begin to tell the number of times I've heard Christians say to me, oh, pastor, I never, never pray for patience, because I know God will answer that prayer. So, why is it? Why are we all good praying prayers like, God, make me more loving, God, make me more joyful, God, give me more peace in my life, but we never pray for patience? Why do we like the fun fruits of the Spirit, but we're not a fan of patience? The reason is obvious. Patience is hard. Patience is hard to learn. But here's the deal. Patience is one of the most important fruits of the Spirit, and as James is teaching us here this morning, patience is the key to standing firm in the faith. So how are you doing when it comes to patience? Are you displaying this fruit of the Spirit in your life, or do you show impatience? Do you get easily irritated? Do you grumble? Do you complain? On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your patience? I have to believe the Lord has a sense of humor because He provided the perfect opportunity for me to practice patience this week. It was Wednesday. In the afternoon, in the office, I was studying James chapter 5, I was, I, was, I was praying through these verses, I was writing thoughts down about patience, and I was kind of reflecting on my own life and how I have grown in this area, and I even was maybe kind of feeling kind of good about myself, that this is one of those virtues that, that uh, I have. Like I said, I was thinking I'm doing all right. But then I came to VBS on Wednesday night. Brianne Roth had me helping with crafts. And the craft on Wednesday night was making slime. Now I have to give credit to Anna Geis. Anna Geis led crafts all week and on Wednesday night she successfully helped 185 kids make slime, which is nothing short of a small miracle. I was just one of several helpers. But let's just say that making slime is messy. And thank goodness for the leadership team who put a huge tarp on our sanctuary carpet to protect it. Now, I'm one of those people who, who like things neat. I like things clean. I don't necessarily enjoy slime, slime coming out of Ziploc bags onto kids' shirts and pants and shoes and the floor and everywhere. So, again, the Lord gave me this perfect opportunity on Wednesday night to practice patience. Again, becoming more patient is not a lot of fun. Let's face it, it's hard. It grows contrary to our human nature, where we want everything easy, we want everything on time, we want everything to be productive, we want to see results, and we want to see those results now. Peter Marshall, former pastor, former chaplain of the United States Senate, has a real good quote about patience, a quote that I think is is just spot on. Peter Marshall says this, "'Teach us, O Lord, the discipline of patience, for to wait is often harder than to work.'" Isn't that true? Waiting is hard. In fact, working is easier than waiting. Which is why when I'm on County Road 19, driving from my house to the church, and I'm about hundred yards away, and the crossing guard to the railroad tracks goes down, and the train is slow. It's just creeping along. So what do I do? I don't want to wait, so I turn my car around and drive three, four, five miles around because I feel a whole lot better, because I'm driving. I'm doing something instead of waiting. But then when I get to the four-way stop at Raymond James, the cars that were ahead of me are driving through. I should have just waited. Again, working is easier than waiting. In our text today, in James 5, he gives us three illustrations on patience, the patience of a farmer, the patience of the Old Testament prophets, and the patience of Job. And with these illustrations, James is pointing to a greater truth, the truth of standing firm in the faith. Again, James is urging his brothers and sisters in Christ then, and it's still for us today. People of God, let nothing move you. Stand firm. Don't let the world rattle you. Don't let Satan deceive you. Don't let the circumstances of life trip you up. Be steadfast. Be strong. Stand firm. And James says, the secret to all of this is patience. Yeah, we've got all kinds of interesting things going on. Well, we are ready to look at God's inspired and errant Word, so follow along as I read from James 5, 7 through 12. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth? Being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts. Some translations use the phrase, be steadfast. Or stand firm. You also be patient. Establish your heart. Stand firm. Be steadfast. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Because we live in a nation with religious freedom, we really don't fully identify with what the early believers were going through. We don't know what it's like to have wages stolen from us, We don't know what it's like to be banned from the marketplace because of our faith. But at the same time, we have our own issues. We have our own spiritual battles. The enemy doesn't quit. He just attacks us in different ways. So we, too, need to develop patience. Patience is the secret to standing firm in the faith. I have four points from these verses on being patient. Point number one, be patient when circumstances are uncontrollable. Be patient when circumstances are uncontrollable. The illustration James uses is the farmer, and this is something that the majority of us can relate to. We live in a very rural area. Agriculture is a huge part of our economy here in northwest Ohio. Boy, this is really something. You guys are all good up there? I'm trying to be patient. No, I just… I'm kidding. Thank you guys for all you do up there. Um. So, again, the first illustration is that of a farmer, and this is familiar to, to many of us, and we know that when it comes to growing crops, so much of it is out of the farmer's hands. The farmer has no control over the weather. The farmer has no control over the markets and pricing. He has no control over the cost of land, the cost of equipment, the cost of seed, fertilizer, weed control, insect control. The farmer works incredibly hard, but so much of it is out of his hands. Farming takes patience, lots and lots of patience. I know I had that privilege of being a dairy farmer for for many, many years, but I'm also here to say there is nothing, nothing like bringing in the harvest. When that crop has ripened, and you're driving that combine through the field, and you see the grain flowing out of the auger into the grain cart. And from the grain cart into the semi-trailer, it makes it all worth it. The reality is that every one of us in this room this morning, we face circumstances in life that are out of our control. We can't control the trains on the track we can't control messy bags of slime, we can't control sickness, we can't control messy relationships, we can't control difficult jobs, we can't control death. It's all out of our control. But what we can control is our attitude. We can choose not to grumble. We can choose To be content, we can choose to be patient. So point number one, be patient when circumstances are uncontrollable. Point number two, be patient when people are unbearable. Be patient when people are unbearable. The illustration James gives us is the prophets. Again, the prophets were God's messengers. They would often have messages for God's people. Other times they would have messages for for unbelievers or enemy nations. But regardless of their audience, so often the message that God asked his prophets to speak was a message of repentance, a calling of people back to God. And time and time again, that was not the message that people wanted to hear. And they would take out their anger and their frustration and their hatred on the messenger. Think back to the prophet Jeremiah. His own family betrayed him. He was beaten and put in stalks by a temple official. He was thrown in prison. He was given death threats, and he was thrown into a cistern. And yet, Jeremiah remained faithful to God and faithful to his calling as a prophet. Even though he got rejected over and over and over again, Jeremiah remained faithful He continued to preach the message that God asked him to preach. He demonstrated great patience even when people were unbearable. I know every one of us here, we have dealt with difficult people. And it's hard. It is really really hard. It takes patience. Relationships, they take time, time to nurture, takes times of investment, takes sacrifice takes unconditional love, takes forgiveness, and tons of patience. But in the end, it's worth it. Relationships make us better people. God designed us as a relational people. We're designed to be in relationship, first and foremost, with God. And then, secondly, we are to be in relationship with one another. And the church thrives because of relationships. So be patient when people are unbearable. Moving on, point number three be patient when hardships are unexplainable. Be patient when hardships are unexplainable. The illustration James gives us is Job, Job of the Old Testament. And the reason James gives us this illustration is because Job had no understanding of his hardship. Job lost his property, he lost his possessions, he lost his family and he lost even his health. He lost everything except his life. And Job did not have this exclusive behind-the-scenes look. He had no understanding of what was going on in the spiritual realm. He had no idea that Satan had come to God and challenged God concerning Job. Satan hedged his bets that Job would forsake God, shake his fist at God, deny God and walk away from God. God placed his bets that Job would remain faithful. And it was a battle between God and Satan that Job knew nothing about. And so James is saying to us, be patient when hardships are unexplainable. Be patient when nothing makes sense. Be patient even when you're in that place of questioning God. Job questioned God. Job had lots of questions, but Job never gave up on God Job never rejected God. Job never distanced himself from God. He continued to believe. He continued to trust. He remained steadfast. Job said, The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Every one of us has experienced things in life that are unexplainable, and until the Lord returns or until our death, we will continue, most likely, to experience some things in life that are absolutely unexplainable. We won't have the answers to our why questions on this side of heaven. But in the midst of those experiences, We know from God's word that God is near, that God loves us with an everlasting love, that God is for us and not against us, and that we can cling to Him and trust Him. We can stand firm. Going to show a short clip from the film Soul Surfer. This was produced a good number of years back. It's a true story of Bethany Hamilton and her experience of a shark attack, losing her entire arm. And obviously, in the midst of that hardship, she had lots of questions. Questions about how could this be God's plan for her life? What good can come from this? So let's go ahead and watch this short video clip. Hey, I just got back from Mexico. I'm so glad you're okay. Uh, I was just about to come see you. I can't wait. Come here. I was thinking about you and praying for you every minute. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Yeah. Everyone's been doing really good. You don't have to do that, Bethany. Not with me. Um, they're trying to help. I know. I know. But, um... <laughs> You said it's hard to see things clearly sometimes when you're too close. Mm -hmm. Well, I've been trying to get some perspective, I've been really trying. Things happen to us sometimes. But I have to believe that something good is gonna come out of this. I don't know what that is. I really wish I did. One, the things in life are unexplainable. You can trust God, trust His promise that all things do work together for good, to those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Lastly, point number four: Be patient because God's judgment on the wicked will be unescapable. James gives reference to Jesus Christ standing at the door. The judgment is coming. And in our text from last Sunday, there were extremely strong warnings to the unbelieving wealthy business owners, those who were cheating their employees from their wages, There's a day coming when God will judge the wicked and make all things right. God is a holy God, a righteous God, a just God. He's not going to let things go unpunished. He will do it. He will do it perfectly. And at the second coming of Christ, that judgment on the unbelieving wicked will come quickly. It will come harshly. And we can be patient because we know God will do this. He will make all things right. As I was studying these verses over the last several days, one of the things that did come to my mind was the question, where does justice fit in? Because it seems like James is telling the early church not to fight for what is right. Don't speak out about the injustices. Just trust the Lord and let God be judge. And so the question in my mind is when do we sit back and be patient and let God do the judging? And when do we stand up? When do we speak? When do we fight? Fight for the injustices that are going on in the world. When do we fight for orphans and widows? When do we fight for the preborn? and fight against this culture of death? When do we fight for the teenage girls who are being trafficked for sex? When do we fight, and when do we be patient? Again, when it comes to this topic of justice, we have to take all of Scripture into account, and even though James doesn't speak of us fighting for justice, we know that there are other Scriptures that do exhort us and command us to be doing this. My assumption is that the early church really had no means to fight the injustices of their time. They were living under a harsh, brutal Roman regime. They didn't have the numbers to fight back. They didn't have the resources to fight back. And so God says, be patient, stand firm in the faith. But again, when we take the whole of Scripture into account, God does call us to fight for justice. God blessed the Hebrew midwives for not killing the Hebrew baby boys even though Pharaoh had ordered them to do it. God blessed Moses and the nation of Israel as they were leaving Egypt and as Pharaoh's army was coming in against them. God closed the walls of the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's army was drowned. That's justice. God blessed Boaz for showing favor to a foreign widow. Esther fought for justice for her entire Jewish nation. We know that when Jesus Christ came to this earth, He championed the poor and the oppressed. And most importantly, he conquered sin and death. He destroyed the works of Satan. Jesus came and fought for justice for us. Again, by destroying the works of the enemy. Jesus accomplished all this by going to the cross, rising again on the third day. Jesus didn't sit back and do nothing. He fought for us. Came across... uh, Another good quote on patience, and it says this, patience has its limits, take it too far, and it's cowardice. There's a lot of truth to that. And I'm so thankful that the church hasn't been cowardly in fighting for justice. I think of the pro-life movement For nearly 50 years, believers have been fighting for what is right. Christians just said, I'm not going to sit back and do nothing. I'm going to fight for the sanctity of human life. I'm going to be involved in crisis pregnancy centers. I'm going to come alongside women who are in, in a crisis pregnancy I'm not going to abandon them. I'm going to walk with them. So the question is, when do we demonstrate the patience that James is talking about, and when do we fight for justice, as other Scriptures talk about? Well, that's a whole nother sermon. But the short answer is that We seek the Holy Spirit. We seek the Father's heart. We ask God's Spirit for His direction. And He will tell us what to do. We know that the world is getting worse. There's no sense of right and wrong, increase of wickedness and evil and moral depravity. In fact, sin is no longer just accepted. Sin in its every form is celebrated. That's where we are right now in our culture. And so it's imperative that we seek the Holy Spirit's direction and fight for justice, fight for what is right and pure and noble and good. But as we fight for justice, let's keep James 5 in mind. Let's be patient when circumstances are uncontrollable. Let's be patient when people are unbearable. Let's be patient when hardships are unexplainable. Let's be patient knowing that God's judgment on the wicked will be unescapable. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for being holy and righteous, merciful, compassionate, loving. Thank you for being just. Thank you for being perfectly righteous and holy. And I pray and ask this morning that you would equip us by your Holy Spirit that we can do that which is right, in Your eyes and do the right that You are calling us to do. I pray, Holy Spirit, for You to speak to each one of us, speak to each one of us right now in this moment. Teach us, reveal to us what we need to hear from You from James chapter 5. Maybe it's Something regarding our patience. Maybe it's something related to what you're calling us to do. But speak to us right now. We are listening. I ask and pray, Spirit of God, your blessing on each one. Fill us afresh and anew. Give us your unction. Give us a renewed passion to take the gospel in this very dark and broken world. May we be faithful this coming week as you are always faithful to us. We love you. We ask this all in your name. Amen.